Acts chapter 28, uh, verses 17 through 31 is where we'll be looking this morning. We are dealing with Paul's prison ministry, and uh, there are several titles I thought about for this, and Janine helped me come up with uh, a good one, as she always does, but uh, it's really dealing with uh, whose side are you on in this life, because you have to take a side. There is no middle ground. And Paul took a side. He uh, was very, very confident in who his king was, whom he was serving. It was King Jesus. And uh, we're going to look at that this morning as well. And so uh, uh, this is an interesting book in that when it ends, you go, well, what's next? What happens to Paul? Uh, come on, this is like, we need to know this. And yet, the Holy Spirit, and, and through Luke, doesn't tell us what happens to Paul. And we're going to talk about that at the end of the, uh, you have to wait uh, to, to get the answer to, to uh, why doesn't it tell us about the death of Paul? And there seems to be so many loose ends and, and uh, uh, unresolved things, but we're going to talk about there. Uh, I don't know if you've ever watched certain movies and you spend two or three hours watching it, and at the end of the movie you go, why did I watch this? What a waste of time. It didn't take us anywhere, and it left all these dangling chads, and sorry, but uh, so you you know, what happens to Paul? But well, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. I think the Holy Spirit had a purpose in leaving that unanswered. And uh, remember, as we began the book of Acts, it talks about Luke in writing this, says in his first treatise, which was the Gospel of Luke, he said, I'm telling you what things Jesus began to do. And, of course, the book of Acts is what Jesus continues to do through the apostles. And now, he continues to do in us and through us. And so this is a, uh, a continuing story, okay? And maybe I gave you a hint uh, on why he doesn't say what happened to Paul. Uh, and so we find, though that this book is about Jesus, what he is doing. Even though he uses us, it's about him. And Paul makes it very clear to those Jews that he was dealing with that Jesus is who they needed. And so let's read together verses 17 through 31. Let's start in verse 16. When we entered Rome, Paul is now in Rome, Uh, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. After three days, Paul called together those who were the leading men of the Jews. When they came together, he began saying to them, Brethren, 
Though I had done nothing against our people or the custom of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. And when they had examined me, they were willing to release me because there was no ground for putting me to death. But when the Jews objected, I was forced to appeal to Caesar, not that I had any accusation against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I requested to see you and to speak with you. For I am wearing this change, now notice, for the sake of the hope of Israel. They said to him, We have neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren come here and reported or spoken anything bad about you. But we desire to hear from you what our views, uh, what your views are. For concerning the sect, it is known to us that it is spoken against everywhere. Of course, he was speaking of, of Jesus. When they had set a day for Paul, they came to him at his lodging in large numbers. And he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets, from morning until evening. Some were being persuaded by the things spoken, but others would not believe. And when they did not agree with one another, they began leaving after Paul had spoken uh, one parting word. The Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your father, saying, Go to this people and say, You will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. And you will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart, notice, the heart of this people has become dull. And with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. Therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will also listen. When he had spoken these words, the Jews departed, having a great dispute among themselves. And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness and all openness unhindered. And so... God really opened the door, did he not, for Paul uh, to continue his work. And uh, we see his prison ministry. And this is kind of a paradox because you think of a prison ministry as what? Somebody going to the prison and telling the prisoners about Jesus. In this case, they were coming to the prison to hear about Jesus. So isn't it interesting how God did a switcheroo on this one and how Paul could even be used in prison. It says that he was uh, chained to a guard. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so they were coming to him. And what happened? What happened? We find in the book of Philippians, which I'm going through now, on Wednesday night because 
It was written from Rome to Philippi, to the Philippians. And so we get sort of an idea of what Paul was going through and then uh, how he ministered there in Rome. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance to advance the gospel. In other words, I'm not going around any longer from place to place. They're coming to me. And not only that, but the gospel is advancing. It advanced in one way. Epistles were written. Okay? And so God used Paul where he was, and we're going to talk about that. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard. I bet it did. And to everyone else, that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. And they're all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So God was using him. Isn't that amazing? Uh, he opened the hearts of these people and, and uh, uh, they grew. And, and uh, how would you have liked to have been that guard chained to Paul? <laughs> I've thought about that. That guy didn't have a chance, <laughs> humanly speaking. Uh, and uh, what, a, what a privilege that would have been, would it not, to have been chained to, to St. Paul? Uh, uh, and so uh, this man sat through a lot and heard the gospel over and over, I'm, I'm sure. But his usefulness, Paul's usefulness, continued in prison and entered a, a new stage, a new stage, you might say. And we know he was there two, two whole years doing that. Uh, would you be tired after two whole years in prison? I'd, I'd be tired after about two whole minutes, I think. You know, we're going through this COVID stuff, right? And you go, I'm tired of this. How long has it been going on? Six months, seven months, something like that? And don't you kind of feel like you're in prison? I do. I feel like... I'm chained, and you know, well, Paul was there two years. So after two years, we'll talk about it again. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, five things Paul did while he was in prison. First of all, in verse 17, he reached out. He reached out. Wow. He was able to reach out. God opened it and made it available for others to come see him. And he met with these Jewish leaders. Uh, what would you do if you were thrown into prison? Think about it. You say, oh, that's going to never happen. Don't bet on it. Don't bet on it. You may be thrown into prison for taking a stand for Christ. We don't know. We don't know what the future holds. We just know the one who holds the future. And so, uh, I think I would think this way if I was thrown into prison. Well, I hope I wouldn't. It's over. This is it. Uh, from now on, I'm just going to take it easy, enjoy life, the life that I have left. I'm going to do a lot of sleeping, and, uh, but not Paul. Not Paul. You know, I would think, I'm going to start preparing my letter to Nero. Start writing that up. And, uh, and tell him how I've been mistreated 
So he'll pity me and feel sorry for me. I don't think Paul did that at all. Because I don't think uh, with the circumstances uh, that he was going through, he did not wallow in his self-pity. And you know what? We shouldn't either. I don't see retirement from being a Christian in the Scriptures. When do you retire from being a, 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 a Christian in the Scriptures? When you die, that's when you retire. Uh, you may get retreaded a few times. Retired, retreaded. That's okay, don't worry. But don't think about it too much. It'll give you a headache. But uh, no retirement. People have asked me that. When am I going to quit preaching? When they find me dead behind the pulpit. Even if it's in from, from prison. And so Paul didn't say, oh poor me. I've been placed on a shelf. God doesn't want to use me anymore. Uh, what's your prison? What is your prison? It could be the prison of your circumstances. We're just not useful anymore. You've been set on a shelf. It may be a health issue. It may be relational. Where you feel sorry for yourself. Where you go to your pity, uh, pity party. And you have a pity party. Remember, pity, pity had a party. Nobody came but pity. And so you think about yourself. And uh, uh, you start making excuses But what hinders you? What holds you back? Are you sitting in the corner sucking your thumb? I mean, this is, you know, maybe a stretch, but I don't think so. We have pity parties. No one cares about me. I have felt this way, by the way. I'm not speaking like you're guilty and I'm not because Janine knows about me. And I've had that. I've been through that. Nobody cares for me. Nobody loves me. All people want to do is take from me. They take advantage of me. And on and on we go with our pity party. And we get to feeling sorry for ourselves. (laughs) And we start crying. Shame on you. Shame on me. Paul did not have a pity party. Paul said, you know, God has given me this card hand to play and I'm going to play with the cards that God's given me. You know what? I don't know if you've ever played poker. Uh, And it's okay to play poker, you know, as long as you don't gamble and you can play with matchsticks or something. Uh, There's nothing wicked about playing poker. But you know what? Every time you play, you're not dealt a royal flush. Right? Yeah. You're lucky to get a pair sometimes. Or ace high. Or maybe nothing at all. But Paul dealt the hand that he was, he was given. And he tells these Jews uh, that he didn't come to Rome to attack them, to complain, to blame them. 
But he says, what does he tell them in verse 20? I have come to give you the hope of Israel. Whoa. And what was the hope of Israel? One word. Jesus. Or two words. King Jesus. Because he talks about the kingdom of God. The hope of Israel. Jesus. Jesus has come, he said. 1 Corinthians 15, 19 through 22. If only for this life we have hope in Christ. Notice, where's our hope? I really put this verse up here to, to show you. It's hope in Christ. But it's, if it's just in this world, we're of all people most to be pitied. But Christ, but we're not to be pitied, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And so this is what he's telling them. There's hope. The hope of Israel has come. It's King Jesus. And you need to trust Him. You need to serve Him. It's all about Him. 1 Thessalonians 1, uh, 3 says, We remember before our God and Father your uh, work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where your hope is, brothers and sisters. Your hope is not in the presidency, I, I assure you. Your hope is not in this country. Your hope is in Christ. This country could be completely wiped off the face of the earth. Could that happen? Yes, it can. Are we somebody special? After killing over 60 million babies, how can you say that? We deserve the wrath of God. That's why we have to plead mercy. So Paul says, I want to show you why Jesus is the hope of Israel. The son of David. He is the one that you've been looking for. He is the seed of the woman. Genesis 3.15 Who is crushed the serpent's head. He is the seed of Abraham. Galatians 3, 16 through 18 and 24. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scriptures does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but, and to your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. What I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God. And thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God, in his grace, gave it to Abraham through a promise. So that the law was our guardian until Christ came. And we might be justified by faith. Wow. And that's what Paul is telling them. I'm sure he told them things like that. He spoke for six to eight hours. He has an idea. Maybe not. I'd be preaching. 
to myself after about <laughs> my wife said to me, yes she said that's true <laughs> anyway so secondly Paul reasons from the scripture he reasons from the scripture in verse 23 and this is probably the key verse of the rest of this chapter he expounded to them expounded ex ek is the Greek word out of Paul brought out from God's word what was in the word of God that's what it means he expounded to them or explained to them what the scripture says he unpacked what the scriptures taught. He opened up the scriptures to them. That's what is meant here. And then secondly, it says what? He testified to the kingdom of God, witnessing to its truth, saying, you've been looking for a king? He has come. And his name is Jesus. Yeah, a literal kingdom is coming? Yeah. Yeah. A literal, physical, Christ ruling. That's what they wanted, did they not? They wanted to overthrow the Romans and set up a physical, literal, right now kind of kingdom and so they could be happy. And Jesus said, no, you missed. Uh, Paul says, no, you missed it. Jesus had to die. He had to be raised from the dead for our justification. You missed him. You missed him. He witnessed its truth. He taught them with great conviction. I'd have loved to have heard him preach. I bet you that was something. Uh, He tried thirdly to convince them, persuade them is some of the translation. Tried to persuade them about Jesus from the law of Moses and the prophets. Trying to convince them who Jesus really was. And it's interesting here because he tries to persuade them from the scriptures. He goes to their mind. What they know about the scriptures, he is not telling them something that is, is difficult to understand. It's in the scriptures. Use your mind. See with your eyes. This is uh, what it's about here. Be rational creatures. And his responsibility and our responsibility is to make it clear. Make the gospel clear. Uh, uh, Emotions are important. But the mind must be convinced of the truth of the scriptures. And once the mind is convinced, then the Holy Spirit opens uh, our hearts. And of course we believe. But... Uh, when you study about the ark from the scriptures, for instance, you go and you study that and you say, now was it plausible for that to have really happened? Is it rational to understand from the scriptures that there really was a literal ark with literal animals on it, with a literal Noah, or is this just a fairy tale? Well, I've been to Kentucky and I have seen it built. And you go aboard it and you weep because you realize this actually happened. There really was 
an ark with all the animals on it. And the more you study, the more you believe, the more you study with your mind, you go, and you're convinced this is truth. It's not a fairy tale. Oh, by the way, last week we talked about, remember the shipwreck? And they threw out four anchors overboard for, so they wouldn't be, they found the anchors. You can go on site and put in there, uh, uh, what's the island? Malta. The Malta anchors will do it. And there they are. Some of, they were about from here to the wall. Huge anchors. And they found them all together. Proving what? The scriptures are true. This is not a fairy tale, a made up thing. And so this is what Paul was doing from the scriptures. The scriptures are the ultimate authority. Always remember that. They're the ultimate authority. And the law and the prophets spoke of this one to come, Jesus. And then, thirdly, he refers uh, them all to Jesus. He focuses on Jesus, the King of the Jews. I, I love that inscription over the cross. The King of the Jews. That's who he was. Oh, we don't want that up there. Sorry, it's, it's up there. The King of the Jews. And our focus, as Paul was, needs to be on Jesus. Have you ever talked to someone about Christ and they change the subject and they want to talk about how many angels can stand on the head of a pen or some ridiculous thing, you know, and, they, and you say, no, let's get back to the one whom you need to trust, Jesus. Who is Jesus? He is the great I Am. Well, you know, uh, it would be really nice to know... Uh, whether I can eat pork or not. Well, no, I mean, I'm not saying that we, that's not an important subject we can talk about. But let's get back to the main thing. The main thing about the main thing is where will your soul spend eternity? Not whether you can eat pork or not. Well, what about baptizing babies? You know, that's something we can talk about. But let's talk about Jesus. Who is Jesus? Have you trusted Him? Do you know Him as your Lord and Savior? These other things are important. But what is the main thing? What do you think of Jesus? Fourthly, Paul reinforces a kingdom mindset in verse 23. Testifying, he says, to the kingdom of God. And he really, uh, Luke does, in, in, in 28.31, it ends preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness. They were looking for a literal kingdom. They were right to look for a literal kingdom. They just missed this important aspect of the coming of the Messiah, which was what? He had to die. He had to die for our sins, and he had to be raised for our justification. That's important. Uh, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. What did he mean? What do you have to have? And I've said this before. To have a kingdom, what do you have to have? And please don't say people. You have to have a 
Aha, to have a kingdom. And Jesus is the king. And this is what Paul is telling them. You missed, you missed it. Every kingdom has a king and his name is Jesus. Remember, Jesus did not come to offer the kingdom, but to establish the kingdom. Where is that established? One day it will be liberally, and we could study all about the, the millennium, but right now, where is the kingdom of God? Right here. And let me ask you, is Jesus king in your life? Is He your Lord? Are you trusting Him and Him alone for your salvation? It's that important. See, God's interested in the heart. He wants your heart. He wants your life. He wants your devotion. He wants you to follow Him. We get all confused about uh, spiritual things because our eyes are fixed a lot of times on physical, literal things. But he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become the children of God. Amen. Lastly, we see Paul's rebuking. Paul rebukes their unbelief. He quotes from Isaiah. God said to Isaiah, The people will not listen to you, Isaiah, but go preach anyway. They will hear, but not hear, not understand. They will not repent. And basically, that's what Paul is telling them. I'm telling you this, but the majority of you aren't going to believe it. Because you have just the same kind of heart as the people in Isaiah's day had. You will purposely close your ears. And of course, most of them rejected the truth. But Paul is telling them, this is not just a take and leave kind of thing. This is something that's so important that you better listen to what I am saying here. There are consequences of not trusting Christ. Don't say no to the king of the universe. Is there a consequence to saying no to the king of the universe? Yes, there is. John 3, 36. He that believes, believes on the Son has life, but he that believes not the Son of God hath not life, but the wrath of God abides on him. See, there's consequences to rejecting the king, Jesus. For one thing, you're not going to be in the kingdom. You will not enter John 3 what Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. To see the kingdom of God, you've got to have eyes to see. You must be born again. And I'm telling you this morning, have you been, or asking you, have you been born again? Are you a child of God? Just two quick applications. First application is, bloom where you're planted even if transplanted. Men, do you have to transplant things that have been planted? I just love it. You know? This plant I won't write it. Yeah, I didn't. 
oh, I think, you know, I think I want the plant over here. And so you have to transfer. I don't mind that, though, too much. But, you know, sometimes, though, God transplants us. We get planted, we get comfortable, and then all of a sudden we're transplanted, and we're in a different place, a different situation, and we're going, where are you, God? You're not doing the things the way I want you to do them, Lord. Paul would certainly not choose this. Right? He would have much rather, I'm sure, continued uh, in the way he was doing things. But God had a purpose for him. He's got a purpose for you where he has placed you right now. Just where he wants you right now. Don't say, I wish things could be like they used to be. Ooh. Don't say, I wish things could be the way they used to be. What are you saying when you say that? I'm not happy, God, with where I am right now. It's interesting. Grass can grow between a rock and a hard place. Have you ever noticed, if you have a patio and I do, and you're always running around with weed killer, you know, because these things come right up between these cracks where you don't even think a seed could get down in. And there's this plant coming up. Paul was transplanted, and yet he continued to grow between a rock and a hard place. You can still grow in your Christian life no matter where you are. No matter where you are in your Christian life, don't make excuses and say, oh, I'm in this situation now and it's, it's over. I just might as well throw in a towel. Paul could have taken that, but he didn't. You say, what about people who are completely paralyzed, laying up in bed, and all they can do is look at the, like Joni, uh, Johnny, remember Johnny Erickson? Eric Sentata, thank you. Wow, how God used her after her accident. But even if you just have to lie there, what can you do lying there? Does anybody have an idea? Pray. Whoa, imagine prayer. I think there will be people in heaven who are prayer warriors that'll have more rewards than people like me who preach the gospel. Because God hears and answers the cries of his people. How much do you pray? Paul prayed a whole lot. And then lastly, develop a kingdom perspective. A kingdom established, but not yet coming to its culmination, its fullness yet. One day, all the evil enemies will be brought to their knees. They will be made Christ's footstool. Either through wrath or through grace. And now is the time of grace. Jesus extends to all. The terms of peace through the gospel.
through what he has accomplished on the cross. Romans 4.25, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. That's what he did for us. That's what Paul was telling them. That's what you need to be telling other people. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. Paul had peace with God. And you can have peace with God and the peace of God through all that's going on right now. Because he did what for us? Romans 8.1 Therefore is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? He died for your sin. He's paid for your sin. There is now no condemnation in Christ. If you have Christ, your sins are forgiven. For all eternity they're forgiven. When we deserve His wrath, we find God is a God of grace. In Christ is eternal life. Have you kissed the Son? Why doesn't Luke tell us about Paul's death? And I guess you know now we're at the end. But why doesn't Luke tell us about Paul's death? Because this is not about Paul. This is not about Paul. Who is it about? Jesus. Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word that it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword and pierces us, Lord. It shows us where we have sinned against you through pity parties and feeling sorry for ourselves. And I wish it was this way or that way. I wish it was like it used to be and all of these things that go through our mind. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, but help us as Paul did, to preach the gospel, to tell people about Jesus and His love and His mercy and His grace and His saving, His saving grace. Oh Lord, give us, give us a love, a greater love for others and not think about so much about ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.